What's up? It's Delight, and thanks for checking out Let's Talk About It, Damn It, a podcast to assist people with healing and coming to terms with parental trauma they may be dealing with or dysfunctional family issues. So a little bit about me. I have faced uh, both of those throughout my life and made it through, came to some realizations, helped me grow as a person. And as I begin to talk about my experience with other people, I decided this is a thing like people really need to talk about. Um, Most in particularly my cousin who our mothers are sisters. And so in us just talking, some of our conversations turned into like therapy sessions. And we were realizing that we carried some of the same issues and dealt with some of the same struggles mentally or emotionally and it all rooted back to our moms who grew up together and this isn't about shaming anybody or telling somebody's business or anything like that it's really about just trying to get it out especially when the people that have caused you the trauma refuse to speak to you about it refuse to acknowledge it and so that is like major gaslighting so so if you don't know what the term means that's exactly what it is when someone someone won't acknowledge your feelings or your truth about a situation and tell you that it didn't happen or you're overreacting or something like that so uh not trying to overuse the term because this generation kills it but it definitely is a huge form of that so anyway it doesn't have to be as extreme as inappropriate behavior and sexual abuse and physical abuse for it still to be an issue and cause issues in your life so that's what this is all about let's talk about it damn it when the people that have um caused you some trauma refuse to talk to you about it and you just need to get past it and and start a journey of healing from it and be able to forgive, but not continue to allow that behavior. That's so important. Let's talk about it, damn it. So here we are. And in this, I wanna say, um, I love my parents because they brought me into the world and I think I'm a spectacular human being. And things that they did for me, I'm very grateful for, like travel. I traveled from a very early age. I was able to travel in an RV and it was nothing big to me because it was normal. That's so cool. As my one of my cousins say, I grew up slamming Cadillac doors. I had braces at the appropriate age. You know, I went to private school till junior high school. So I am very, very grateful for things that my parents did that I know some people didn't have the opportunity to experience. My sultry voice and crazy sense of humor is from my mother. My gift of gab and charisma in my face is from my father. And again, very, very grateful. But there are a lot of things that fell through the cracks that have uh, stalled me in life as an adult. And the lack of support and understanding was really, really hard to get through as I was trying to get through life. I'm just going to give you tidbits of my experiences this first episode, and they'll fall out throughout the episode because I continue to trauma bond and continue to try to build relationships or keep a relationship with my parents, despite of the behavior that I was receiving from them. Lack of support. That's where my journey started. Now, my cousin who grew up opposite me because I grew up with both my parents in a home. Um, My cousin JC 
had a very different experience with growing up with my aunt. And so society says how I turned out should have happened to her in our younger years and how she turned out should have happened to me as far as school. And, and so it's so funny how it was total opposite and we still are in some ways based on what society says, based on how we were raised and how we came up. So I'm gonna let her tell you a little bit about her journey and then we take it from there. Okay, so I came from a single parent household with my brother who's five years older than me. And it was rough, but it wasn't rough for some people I grew up around. But it was still rough. Like foot through the floor while you're washing dishes at the trailer rough. Not having water for months at a time, having to go to grandma's house and get water worth drinking. Um, not having hot water for like a year. Not having air in the summertime. And the lights were turned off once that I can remember. And remember summertime in Florida, let us not forget to say that. Yeah, summertime in Florida, even back then it was brutal. And a trailer is like living in a tin can. It was hot up in there. So I can remember that. Bad enough it was a window air conditioner, but not having it at all, you sure miss it. (laughs) Sure miss it. So, um, and we went through like almost a whole summer with that. So, of course, I spent a lot of time at grandma's house during that time, but she barely turned her her air on because she was cheap like that. Right. So, yeah, so it was rough, and it was like, now that I look back on it, I don't know. I I was just, I'm confused because my my mother was tight. I ain't going to make nobody take care of their kids. But my dad worked three jobs. My dad had good money. And I believe my dad either was contributing and she was misusing or something was wrong with the mentality back then. Right. So that's one mistake I will not repeat at all. Time my my son was three months, uh, six months old, he's been getting child support on the regular. Right. Um, But then you're working two jobs. But getting nowhere. Right. I'm like, so time with your kids. Right. It just did not make sense. Right. So we're running amok, doing whatever. <laughs> but I still knew that that was not going to be my life. That would not be my story. No right. matter what I was doing, I mean, I still knew. And I would not. And that made the difference because that is not my story. Right, right. Now, so I want to give a little bit of background about our grandmother. Now, JC spent a lot more time with our grandmother than I did because we lived in New York and uh, JC lived right down the street from grandma. But I can tell you that our grandmother had, what was it, five children passed before the age of 18 and four of them were before the age of five. Our grandmother was born on a plantation in a small little town in Georgia. And I know, I don't know much about her life, but you know, being a half a generation away from the plantation, okay, we get it. 
You know what I'm saying? Some stuff. But as we have grown as adults and had children, there was some shit that just clicked to me. Right. And, 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 And so I think it's a huge population of like African-American people, black, whatever we're going to be, that, okay, their parents were like a, one generation from the plantation. And so it's a lot of emotional and trauma and stuff like that that came with that. We understand. However, I know with me and my shortcomings with my kids, I wanted to tell them. I wanted to let right. them know, here's how I grew up. So here's why I may be emotionally lacking in this area and that area. I felt like I owed my kids an explanation. Mm-hmm. And again, and we don't know how they grew up, but there was a whip <laughs> hanging on Oh, my yes, the wall. horse whip. The horse whip, for the real. horse whip. And that was- hung on the wall while we, I, we were all children, and this horse whip was hanging on the wall like a symbol of glory. Right. Massa's yeah. whip. In, in and which, this is what she would tell us and, and our aunts and uncles would tell us mm-hmm. that they got beat with this whip. This was what they were beat with as A children. leather whip braided with, tint, with, with tassels on the end. And this hung in my grandmother's house on the wall when we were kids. And that, that in itself is like, wow. But we are talking about a time when abuse was not, there was no CPS coming to your door like that. Right. So what went down, went down. And there was nothing to be said about it. Right. You could really off one of your children, (laughs) bury them in the backyard and nobody would be looking or asking questions. Right. And it was going to, especially a, a kid, a black kid at that time. Yes. So we don't show told, up to school the next year. Well, oh, he right. moved up north, right? And that's the end of that. Or he finna go work somewhere. He got a job, you know. And that was the end of that. And that was the end of that. So we get it. And I know that I'm sure my grandmother battled a lot of mental issues having children pass so young. But all of that bred some really fucked up stuff, you know, when it came down to our mothers being emotionally available for us. And now, as adults, it's playing out in our life because, of course, our moms are in their 70s and they're in a position in time where they need someone to be emotionally available for them. And it's just not there. Right. Not at all. I am not. I am not. It's just not there. And it's like, I don't even know where to pull it from. And and I don't even feel like I should be putting forth effort to pull this uh, emotional support that, uh, you know, in a regular situation would be normal. I don't know where to pull it from because it's still not reciprocated. No, no, not at all. Even and I and and unlike you, my mom fully has dementia, Alzheimer's, whatever. Right. So I'm like, in my mind, it's pretty much done and gone because some right. of the things she even did before recently. Now right. I just can't. I could not let that keep happening to me, right. and I had to exit out my life. 
Right. It was just too much. And right. I'm not going to keep anybody, anybody. I'm right. quick to say, bye. I'm good. Right. I don't care who you are. Right. I'm good. Right. And, and I developed that. I used to be clingy to people. But once I started facing the straight, like, you cannot deny kick in your chest from my parents. Mm-hmm. And I developed this whole cut a fucker off. You know right. what I'm saying? Because what, what? If I walk around with my silver in my back pocket, I'm telling you. <laughs> if in my, my bra. Boop, right. Push, bye. Never see you again. Right. Because if my parents could do the stuff that they was doing, it's like, how can I trust anything for, or expect anything better from anybody else? And so right. it's like with that, and even though we both did, it's called trauma bonding. When you continue to try to appease them and you continue to try to be friends with them and establish a relationship with them when they continue to show you this behavior that is undeniable at this point in our 30s and our 40s and it's like we about to be 50 this shit got to stop right it got to stop somewhere or I just gotta stop it right and unfortunately it's coming at their ending years and it's like and for you with your mom it's like her getting dementia and and Alzheimer's or whatever it's like oh now we can't talk about it because you ain't gonna remember shit right or you can pretend you don't remember anytime in order to avoid the whole issue absolutely Absolutely. So it's like that's in and and so you know we've talked about this. Like, how is it going to be when when the end comes and we just don't know? But what right. I do know is that it has to stop. We have to draw a line somewhere, and we have. And it really, I don't care what other people think because nobody had the experience that I had with these people. And right. and you mentioned your brother, which you guys still have a decent relationship. I don't even have a sibling. My parents have another child. I refuse to connect myself to that being. And and so what's so difficult about that is like that person took on the persona and the attitude and the mental abuse that my parents did and exerted Mm. that towards me. So it was like, it not only came from my parents, but it came from this person. And and not to, because like I said, I'm dropping tidbits of my little stuff, but their behavior led to me having major downfalls in life to the point where I lost a child to their father and DHS was not involved. There was no abuse involved. There was nobody calling nothing. It was just a big old lie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that so so it's things like that. So it's like again, I don't know where to pull from when it comes to these people. And um, see, that's what you uh, and again, that's why I stepped away and walked away and mm-hmm. kept going right. because none of them would. I would not allow anybody around to mess child. up. Okay, right. Okay, no, y'all not. Nope, right. that's okay. Right. I figure something out. Right. It's, we don't need none of this toxic passing on. Right. And nobody else. And with me having a child so young, because how old were you when you had your child? 32. Right. And I was 18. I didn't even know any better to know that right. it was even toxic at the time. And I just recently had a moment because uh, I feel 
that my oldest child is uh, having issues based on the issues that my parents started years ago um, and they refused to talk to him about it. But I had a moment where knowing that he's dealing with some stuff that, wow, I didn't protect my children. Right. I didn't protect my children from that toxic energy and behavior that I knew they were capable of and they had showed me. Mm-hmm. And, and so, but it hit the heights when they sent him to his father. And so, so that's when there was no doubt about it. Like, bitch, shit is not right. Like, right. That was really right. messed up what they did. And, but I still continued to trauma bond. And so, yeah, I had a moment where it brought tears to my eyes when I was like, damn, I didn't protect my children. Right. And and that's hard. It's hard to deal with. And it's hard to deal with uh, carrying traits of theirs. But it's good when you can catch yourself. And this is what I want to say to parents that's carrying that toxic energy and behavior. It's never too late to stop. Mm-hmm. But there, but especially if your kids are young, but it is a point where it's going to be too late, and don't do that to your children. Where you continue to, you know what I mean? Do that to them, right? Wake up! Don't be like your parents. If your parents were fucked up, that's the last thing you need to pattern yourself. <laughs> and and I'm not going to say that I didn't try. Right. I tried. I tried. Until the point of you come to see me fail. Right. I tried until that point. Do you want to tell that story? Yes. I guess I'll tell that story. (laughs) So, yes, I was number one in my class in high school. Went on to college. Was not successful or prepared. However, I did graduate college with a four-year degree right before graduation. And and mindfully so, because no one had trained you or prepared for that, which that was her job to do to some degree. Right. All she had to do was reach out to some people and ask and would have been able to find that. But anyway, go ahead. Right. So I'm in college, one with a scholarship, um, but I got there because I was number one in my class. So I got the scholarship, got to college, away from home. Mind you, when I graduated, I was so over it that I walked down the aisle, left the graduation, disappeared for a month. Wow. Let's let, just say that. And let me ask you this. Did she ever say, good job, you're the top of your class, you did it, I'm so proud of you, or anything like that? No. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Continue. She bragged to her friends about it. But never said it to you. Right. <laughs> yeah. So. That's crazy. I mean, yeah. So I, I left for three weeks and never came back. Wow. She was trying. Girl, where at, was you at? The at? School. I was at the hotel. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hanging out with hotel being a <laughs> hanging out with our um, auntie can't get right kids, but that's a whole right. Episode. Yeah, that too. <laughs> hanging out with them and being a hoe. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, uh, admit it, reform, but admit it, we all got bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yes, 
out there, out okay. there. Okay. And um, but I still, she out there trying to hunt me down. Mm-hmm. She out there and went to the school that I graduated from because on the night of graduation, it was announced that I get. Uh, you're thinking at the time. Now we talk about early nineties here, right? So. $2,000 was a lot of money in the Heck early yeah. 90s. Yeah, it was. And I was getting a $2,000 scholarship for being number one okay. in the class. Mm-hmm. So these people were actually putting the, bringing a check to the school for me. And I had to go to the school to get the check. So on the day I go to the school to get the check, I'm crossing the street in the parking lot watching her try to get the check from them. <laughs> Wow. And they wouldn't give it to her. Thank God. Right. Right. She was trying to collect my scholarship. And, and now much? when I look back on it, I never got a card or any kind of graduation gifts because those were probably taken from me too. Right. Because how much money you think she would have gave you out of that? Uh, nothing. Right. Right. Nothing. She, she probably, if you, if she did get that money, she would have told you and said it like she was proud. Oh, of course, of course. And and of and course. and that behavior continued. Continued. My first year of college, when you signing all them financial aid paperwork and so you get your first financial aid check, knew nothing mm-hmm. about it. But I say, oh, I got $1,800 for financial aid check. Mm-hmm. What this lady said, let me borrow $600. <laughs> and did she have a reason why she and did And I did. I was stupid enough to do it. Oh, my God. Did thinking you? I was reconciled, you know, thinking, okay. Right. No, because when she drove me up there Trauma, and huh? dropped me off, she, oh, I'm going to take you to Sam's and you can get this stuff. What what from Sam's can you fit in a little dorm refrigerator? Right. So getting this stuff that won't fit. And you know, mm. some of the snacks, you know, were like non-perishable or whatever. Right. And... All to come back and turn around and say, can I borrow $600? Wow. Wow. And you gave it to her? I gave it to her. And I may have back? gotten it back. I may okay. have gotten it back. I okay. think I got it back. Okay. But even through co- in college, another incident that stands out broadly. Now, you a registered nurse, mm-hmm. but you getting cash advances everywhere. You have no more kids at home. You have no college bill to pay because I'm full scholarship. Right. But you still getting cash advances. I could never figure it out. But again, it was until you asking me for money. It ain't right. none of my business. But here you go asking me for money. And you in college. And I'm in college. With no support. None whatsoever. Responsible for me. So then, later on, um, at one point in time, she had too many cash advances and asked me to get one for her. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) This was a crash course. Right. I ain't gonna never be broke in my life. I refuse. Financial responsibility. Right. And I got caught in the little college trap of Every table you went to, free tri- free T-shirt, apply for the credit card, <laughs> getting the credit cards, maxing the credit up. cards. 
I did that, but one of them, before I maxed them and messed them all up, one of them was an American Express. I added her as an authorized user so she could rent me cars. I didn't realize, okay, so yeah, let her do that and get the card back. Right. This woman started using this card like it was hers. Oh my gosh. The I said, oh no. Called them, cut her off as an authorized user and said, nope, that's it for that. Wow. Because I said, how would you have gotten it had you not had that credit card? Right. And how old were you? Is she pretty? Oh my God. I'm like, when I went in the, entered into college, I was 17. I did not turn 18 until a month after I was in college. So I'm 18 years old at this point. Wow. But, it, but one good thing I can say, mm-hmm. my credit wasn't tore up when I turned 18 because I was able to get all these cars. <laughs> so she did use me as a child. She get, she get a half a point for that. <laughs> Yes, At least my yes. name wasn't on some fingerhood bill somewhere. Right, right. Fingerhood, the electric bill, the first one that got cut off, none of that. So that's good. Yeah. That that's give props where props is due. But right. So like our TK do right kids. They probably all had a utility. Right. And and let us say out of what, there were like how many siblings of of their uh, it was grandma. seven living. It was seven living, and so three we, girls. We had a, right, and we had an auntie can't get right, and we had two uh, uncle can't get right. Two we, we uncle had, can't get right. Yeah, we had two uncle can't get rights, and so again, these are things that say issues. And then there's just this wall of secrecy around everyone else's life. Right. right like how did we get right we got issues that we are never gonna deal with but we right in, in right. their own mind right and, and and that's the thing so what I've realized what's so crazy is perception and I'm gonna use a perception like to me to perception is just denial of responsibility for some people because right. if you think about it, wow, I don't talk to my kid on a regular and they don't have a desire to talk to me and they've written me emails saying things to me. At what point are you going to say, hey, let me try to reevaluate some stuff or think right. about it? Because both of us have tried to have these mature conversations with our parents about uh the shit, you know. What I mean? the yes, and it's like, and I like, mean, huh? to the point where you will pick at me because I'm doing the right thing by me, right? And the next thing out your mouth, this has happened on many occasions. Is can I hold? Can I borrow? Right. I, right. I have tried up into the point of putting a house in my name and renting it to them. However, uh, when you ain't got no money, I'm responsible for the payment. Zero. Right. right. Time to go. Now but what, the story is, I put you out. Right. Like anybody else, a respectable person would have did. <laughs> if, if you weren't paying your bills. Like, right. well, I'm not a football star. I'm not a multimillionaire. <laughs> I might have made six figures one time at this point. 
Right. So I'm responsible for your whole life, for your housing, your everything. When you did nothing to get me here. Right. <laughs> nothing you did or showed me. Well, right. that's a lot. Because she showed you financial irresponsibility. And so, so I know what not to do. Right. Right. And that's what not to do. You learned because of your situation of the single mom and, and things like that. Like you learned survival skills that I so needed. And our life, like, and we used to talk on the phone all the time as kids. Then, you know, life happens and we split apart and then we came back together. I believe it was grandma's funeral. And mm-hmm. so we've always been having these mini therapy sessions or mini swapping trauma stories and not realize it. That's what we were doing. But it's like with my life, it, it was more like it, that, that whole shield of secrecy thing. Yeah. So, so with that, I wasn't exposed to auntie can't get right kids and, and uncle can't like all of that stuff was like a movie I'm watching out of a window, but only new small details. So things were very, what was it? I guess like sheltered in a way, mm-hmm. sheltered and very strict, not allowing. So your, your, her allowing you guys to run them up really taught you survival skills that I needed when I was out there battling homelessness and and trying to figure out not even knowing where to go to apply for food stamps or thinking that uh, public housing or Section 8 or HUD, which could have helped me greatly as a single 18-year-old mother, was something that I just could not do. Right. And and so that that put me in in that. Not that I'm saying so. You lucky? Not at all. <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> I know. I'm lucky because it made me to be the person I am today, and I have right. no regrets about the person I am today. I Same. own what I am. Same. Same. And so all of the hardships and hard knocks that I had to go through without any street smarts or survival skills and stuff like that. Those two made me who I am today. I had to learn, like, you know, just grow the fuck up. Like, you know what I'm saying? This is real life. And and so that has put me, it's, it's made me, like you said, if I stayed in that shell of doing what they told me to do, how they told me to do it, when they told me to do it, then I wouldn't be the person I am today. And here's the point that I remember stop believing in them and thinking what they're doing is support. I can't remember what the situation was, but there it was dealing with, like, I, at this point, I have a kid. I'm out on my own in an apartment, and I don't know, they advised me to do something. And whatever the something was that they advised me to do, it didn't go as they said it would go. Mm-hmm. And I went to them and I explained to them like, yeah, that shit didn't work. Like, and I'm looking at them like, so what we gonna do? And they look at me like, ain't no we bitch figure that out. And <laughs> after that, it was like, what? So then at that point, I said to myself, I'm gonna make my own decisions so that whatever the, the end result is, I have to deal with it because it was what I wanted to do. Not I'm over here dealing with something and I ain't even want to do that shit in the first place. Right. So right, it's right. like, wow, that really, really kicked me. And I'm saying I probably was about 2021 20, at that time. 
And and from then on, it was like, yeah, they, they can't tell me shit because they're not going to bail me out. And I know there was a point you said that you told your mother that you said that she, you weren't going to let her. Uh, oh, financial yeah. abuse. Okay. Yeah, I did tell her. I said, um, you might want to financially abuse yourself or live in the midst of your financial irresponsibility, but I will no, I will not let you financially abuse me. And I'm sorry you're not realizing that, but you need to start realizing. I'm not going to do it anymore. Especially when I had, I'm in the hospital. <laughs> this was the, this was the epitome of the end. Okay. Of the foolery. I'm in the hospital in a high risk pregnancy, having my first and only child in the bed. They, I went to an appointment. They said, you can't go home, go straight upstairs. Mm. All at, all of a sudden had not worked in like seven months unemployed, but everything, I'm still indoors. My life's still on. I'm having my first baby. Right. 